You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Audio Podcast. Conflict and happiness don't go together real well. Matter of fact, conflict can become a huge hurdle to happiness. I know personally for me, when I'm engaged in relational conflict, whether it's at home, in the workplace, in the church, in the community, when I'm engaged in relational conflict, it like drains me of energy. So conflict becomes a hurdle, it becomes an obstacle, it becomes a barrier, if you will, to happiness. You know, I've been involved in, in pastoral ministry now for almost 30 years, and in that time I've met with hundreds of married couples. I've met with hundreds of individuals who are in the process of dealing with conflict. And I can tell you that not once has people found their way into my office and expressed happiness in the midst of the conflict. It's like, Pastor, I mean, no one's ever said this to me. Pastor, we're having so much fun and we're fighting all the time. It doesn't happen. I've never had anyone come into my office and say, hey, Pastor, can you help us know how to have greater conflict so we can have greater happiness? It's not a reality. When there's conflict in our lives, when there's conflict in our homes, when there's conflict in our relationships, it's like we don't have happy. And I asked this a couple of weeks ago, but let me just ask it again. How many of you would want happiness in your life? I think we're all on board. We all want to be happy, yet the obstacle oftentimes to the happiness that we want is, is conflict. It's like happiness and conflict just don't go together. Matter of fact, I would say... The more relational conflict you have, the less happiness you're going to experience. The more conflict you have, the less happiness you're going to experience. So so if we want to experience more happiness than what we've got to work at developing some habits. The series is called Habits of Happiness. We've got to work at developing some habits that can better help us deal with conflict in our lives so that we can experience greater fun. And when there's conflict... We, we say wrong words and we do wrong things and what it creates greater problems in our lives. This, this past week I read a story about, about three burly fellows on huge motorcycles who pulled up to a highway cafe. They got off their motorcycles, they went into their cafe and in the cafe there was this truck driver, just a, a small man, a little man. He was sitting on a stool and he was enjoying his lunch, just quietly enjoying his lunch. These three motorcycle men came into the cafe. They spotted this young uh, or this little guy over on the stool. They went over, took his food away, laughed in his face, and he did nothing. He just got up off the stool. He went and he and he paid for his food and he exited the the restaurant. It was at that point that one of the men who were riding the motorcycle said to the waitress, said, boy, he, he sure wasn't much of a man, was he? And we couldn't even like pick a convo. We couldn't pick an argument with him. And the waitress replied, I, I guess not. And then looking out the window, she said, I, I guess he's not much of a truck driver either. He just ran over three motorcycles. <laughs> but how many of you know that's probably not the best way to deal with conflict? And one of the things I've come to notice is that conflict has the tendency to bring the worst out in us. Would you agree with that? Have you ever noticed that when you get into an intense conflict, guess what? The bad side of you shows up. Have you noticed that? Like, you don't even have to invite it. It shows up anyway. And conflict has a tendency to bring the worst out of us, not the best. 
happens, and there's no way around it. If we're going to create more happiness, we have to get better at dealing with conflict. It's a given. If you have relationships, you're going to have conflict. So we got to get better at dealing with it. Just to prove this point that we have to deal with conflict, let me ask you this question. How many of you in the room today have been married uh, for at least a day? You've been married for at least a day. Now let me ask you a second question. In this marriage relationship that you so enjoy, have you ever had an intense conversation that drained the marriage relationship of happiness? Just one. Listen, if you raised your hand the first time and you didn't raise your hand the second time, either you're lying or you're living in denial. One or the other. It is a reality. And the wonder of the relationships that we get to enjoy, we have to deal with this issue of of conflict. And again, conflict has the ability to rob us of the happiness that we want. So we've got to get better at dealing with conflict. And one of the qualities that's key in helping us deal with conflict is a quality of humility. Matter of fact, I would say this this morning, that humility, that the quality of humility is the key quality in every healthy relationship. Whether we're talking about your marriage, whether we're talking about your work relationships, your friendships, your friendships at school, your friendships in the neighborhood. What is the key quality that makes healthy relationships function and work? It is humility. So, so what is humility? Let me give you a couple working definitions of humility. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but it's thinking of yourself less as you give yourself in service to others. Humility is, is honestly assessing ourselves in light of God's holiness and our sinfulness. Humility is the quality that frees us to serve others, to put their needs above our own. Humility is the opposite of pride and arrogance. See, humility is the key to, release, to reducing conflict in our lives because pride is usually most often the cause of the conflict. Pretty much in any and every conflict, if you were to kind of take the conflict apart, whether again, doesn't matter what level of relationship, but if you were to begin to take the conflict apart somewhere in the midst of your assessing of that conflict, you would discover there's an issue of pride. Pride is like always in there, somehow, some way. And what does it do? It generates conflict in our lives. See, pride positions us to be self-seeking, therefore it generates conflict in our lives. And we see this playing out with the disciples as recorded in the Gospel of Mark chapter 9, verse 33. The Scripture says this, that the disciples were arguing among themselves as to which was the greatest. Now think about this. These are the chosen twelve. The twelve that Jesus handpicked. What are they doing? They're having conflict. What's their conflict about? Who's the greatest? What's at the root of that? Obviously, it's pride. And Jesus, Jesus says something quite profound. He says, hey, if you want to be first, you've got to be last. You want to be great? Here's the way to greatness. Be a servant. In other words, Jesus was saying, instead of promoting yourself, promote others. Jesus was saying, walk in humility. Now, the Apostle Paul, writing this letter about happiness addresses the issue of conflict, not only the conflict, but then the solution being that of humility. Paul understood the necessity of humility in our lives if we're going to reduce conflict to get to greater happiness. So let's look at what Paul wrote. If you have your Bibles, you can look with me to Philippians chapter 2. 
The text is also on the screen this morning. This is one of my favorite, my all-time favorite passages of Scripture. Because I think it so challenges me every day. I mean, this passage of Scripture is like every day I'm trying to work this out and live this out in my marriage, in my family relationships, in, in my church relationships with the staff. And every day, it's this passage of Scripture that challenges my life. Listen to what Paul wrote. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one in purpose. Notice verse 3, do nothing. Let me emphasize that. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also to the interests of others. Notice verse 5, he says, Your attitude should be like that of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that's above Every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God, the Father. From Paul's words, I want to give you some help as to how we can better handle conflict, as to how we can reduce conflict in our lives. Since conflict can rob us of happiness and drain our relationships of the fun factor. Again, we've got to get better at dealing with conflict. So what does Paul tell us about dealing with conflict? The first point of advice he gives us is this. It's never let pride be your guide. Never let pride be your guide. Notice in verse 3, Paul states, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. When pride is your guide, this is what it does. It usually creates conflict and it gets you into trouble. Matter of fact, Proverbs chapter 29, verse 3 says this, A man's pride brings him low. Then in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 10, listen to to what the scripture says here. It says, Arrogant know-it-all stir up discord. Arrogant know-it-alls. People who are full of pride, what do they do? They stir up, they agitate, they stir up discord. Listen, there's there's no way around it. Pride in our lives trips us up. What does it do? It generates conflict matter of fact james wrote this the book of james chapter 3 verse 16 a great passage of scripture it's on the screen let's read this together would you read this with me whenever you're trying to look better than others or get the better of others things fall apart and everyone ends up at the other's throats notice what james says here when you're trying to look better than others what's that it's pride when you're trying to get the best of others what's that's pride Notice he says, when you're trying to look better than others, get better than others, then everyone ends up at the other's throats. There's a presence of pride in our lives. What does it do? It feeds conflict. It generates conflict. So we never want to let pride be our guide. The pride generates conflict because proud people focus on the failures of others and can readily point out their faults. 
Proud people have a critical fault-finding spirit. They look at everyone else's failures with a microscope, microscope, but they look at their own with a telescope. Proud people are self-righteous. They think highly of themselves and they look down on others. Proud people have to prove they're right. They have to get the last word. They have to win the argument. What is that? Listen, if you're one who has to win the argument, can I tell you something without offending you a lot this morning? If you have to win the argument, you got a pride problem. There's this ugly thing in your life called pride, and what's it going to do? It's going to continue to generate conflict. And again, where there's a presence of conflict, there's the absence of happiness. The first thing, first advice Paul would give us is this: never let pride be your guide. Here's the second point of advice Paul gives us to reduce conflict in our lives. Is it's this: be humble or you'll stumble. Never let pride be your guide. Be humble or you'll stumble. He goes on in verse three to say, but in humility, consider others. Better than yourself. And when we live humbly, we're focused on others, not ourselves. When there's humility in our lives, we're interested in promoting others, not promoting ourselves. And when when we operate out of humility, we don't always have to be right. We don't always have to win. You know, as I, as I was thinking about humility in our relationships, I thought, you know, humility is like oil in the engine of your automobile. I don't know if you're aware of this, but every automobile engine has oil in the engine. And if you don't have oil in the engine, you'll have a problem, like real quick. Try running your automobile without oil in the engine, and what happens? The engine seizes up. So what does the oil do? The oil in the engine serves as a lubricant that reduces friction. That's the purpose of oil. It reduces the friction by lubrication. I would submit to you this morning that that humility in our lives and in our relationships is like the oil that reduces the friction, that helps us reduce the conflict. Humility. Humility. Consider the interests of others better than yourselves. Let me tell you why this quality of humility is so critical to generate, to produce healthy relationships, to reduce conflict. It, It frees you to say two really important statements. When there's humility in your life, you are freed up to say, first, I was wrong. I am wrong. Let me ask you a question. Why do you think we have such of a challenge saying, I was wrong? I was wrong. It was my fault. Why do we so struggle with that? It's the issue of what? Pride. We're, we're more concerned about ourselves than we are others. Therefore, we don't want to own responsibility for our stuff. We can't say, I, I'm wrong. Now, this dates me a bit. I understand that. But when I was a teenager getting into my 20s, there was a, a show that was really popular called Happy Days. How many of you remember Happy Days? One of the key characters in this uh, show Happy Days was the Fonz. You remember the Fonz? What could the Fonz never say? I'm wrong. Like, rrr, rrr, rrr. He, c- he couldn't say it. And oftentimes in our lives, what, what generates conflict is we're not willing to own up to our stuff. We're not willing to say, I'm wrong. The presence of humility frees me to say, it's my fault. I'm sorry. And that's the second thing that, second thing that it frees us to say that's really important is, will you forgive me? I was wrong. 
Will you forgive me? Listen, if you have an intense conflict going on, I know this probably never happens for any of the married couples here. It's all the folks that go to the other services that can't get this right. They have conflict. I know you probably don't. Um, But let's just say by chance you were to have a conflict in your marriage, and it's pretty intense. It's like a pretty fired-up situation. I would encourage you to step back from the emotions of the conflict and ask yourself this question, what part of this is my fault? What part of this is my fault? Now, you may not be, you may not be completely wrong, but seldom do I find that you're always right. You follow what I'm saying? It may not be all your problem, But this is what I know. It's probably part of your problem. So if you were to step back from this emotionally charged situation and assess the situation and bring some humility into it and then come back and say, you know, I was wrong here. This is my fault here. I own this. Will you forgive me? Watch how it like takes the steam out of the conflict. Amazing. So humility frees us to say, I'm wrong. Will you forgive me? So never let pride be your guide. Be humble or you'll stumble. What's the third point of advice Paul gives us? It's, It's this. Come back to the lost art of paying attention to others. Paying attention to others. In other words, don't just live for yourself. Don't just live for what you want. Make it your goal to see the needs of, of others. Don't, don't just fight for what you want in every situation. But be, be willing to lay down your rights. Be willing to, to lay down maybe your privileges. Why? Because you're paying attention to the needs of, of others. I'm telling you, I'm giving you some wisdom right now that can transform your marriage relationship. Stop talking about your rights and see the needs of your mate. And serve them. That's what you're called to do. Serve them. Hey, we live in a culture today that has so deceived us and so messed us up. You know what it continues to tell us? I mean, this is what media is feeding you all the time. It's what social media feeding you all the time. This is what it's feeding you. It's all about you. It's all about how good you can look, how important you are. Remember, just last night, I don't, I don't do this often because I'm not really big into social media. I kind of like looking people in the eyeball and talking to them. Um, but I was on social media and I was looking at people's, what they were tweeting and I was looking at all these different pictures because people post pictures of themselves alongside their tweets. Have you, right? You know what I'm talking about? It was amazing. Out of all of the people I looked at, <clears throat> no one posted a picture of themselves that made themselves look bad. They were all like glamour shots. It's like, hey, I, I know that guy. He doesn't look that good. Like, how did he get that picture? Oh, there was this, I'm not going to. I'm getting in deep over my head right now, but there was a picture of a woman, and I thought, yeah, so, that, I don't think that's her. She says it's her, but I don't think that's her. 
And we bought into this culture, the, the deception of our culture that says it's all about us. And you bring that mentality into your marriage relationship or your work relationship or your church relationship or your community relationship or your friendship at school. You bring that mentality in that it's all about you and we're focused on you. And I'm telling you, this is what it does. It like pours fire on the conflict. Things get difficult. Things get adverse. Why? Because you're, you're focused on yourself. You're paying more attention to yourself than you are on others. So Paul would say here, learn the lost art of paying attention. In, in verse 4, Philippians 2, 4, he says, do not be interested in your own life. Be, be interested in the lives of others. And when we're interested in the lives of others, we're working for them, not against them. When we're interested in the lives of others, we're, we're more willing to give freely. When we're interested in the lives of others, we're, we're, more, we're more ready to forgive freely. Well, simply because we're not focused on ourselves, we're, we're paying attention to the needs of others. Folks, here's the simple reality. Self-focused equals greater conflict. Others-focused equals less conflict. If you're taking notes, you might want to jot that little equation down. It'll help you out. Self-focused equals a little equal sign. What does it equal? Greater conflict in your life. Others-focused equals less conflict. You choose. You choose. But Paul's advice to us to reduce conflict is to learn the lost art of paying attention. The last point of advice he gives us is this. Embrace the mindset of Christ. Notice verse 5, Paul wrote these words, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Now we hear that this morning, and maybe you're like me, I I hear, okay, Paul wants me to walk like Jesus and talk like Jesus, but that's what he's saying. So their attitude should be like that of Christ Jesus, to emulate the life of Christ. I hear that this morning, and I don't know about you, but that is a bit overwhelming for me. Because I know the reality of who I am. And Paul's saying, be like Christ. And I think, well, I can't get there. And possibly you feel the same way this morning. You think, wow, walk like Jesus and talk like Jesus. You're thinking, well, I'll never get there. And you're absolutely right. On your own, by yourself, you can't get there. But here's the good news this morning. We have help. It's called the Holy Spirit. The third person of the Trinity. What's the role of the Holy Spirit? The role of the Holy Spirit is to reveal Jesus to you. The role of the Holy Spirit is to refine in your life. The role of the Holy Spirit is to conform you to the image and likeness of Jesus Christ. So with the help of the Holy Spirit, what? We can embrace the mindset of Christ. We can bring that into our relationships. So I'm going to relate to others as Jesus would. That's what Paul's saying. Have the same attitude as as that of Christ Jesus. So what's the mindset of Christ? If you look on down verses 6 and following, Paul identifies four things about the mindset of Christ. First is this, don't demand what I think I deserve. Interesting, Paul says that Jesus Christ was the Son of God, yet he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But he took on the nature of a servant. 
Listen, Jesus was not into titles and positions. He was not into perks, rights, none of that. But he he became a servant. He didn't didn't demand what he, he deserved. Rather, he lived his life for others. So, so we want to we live like Christ. We, we want to not demand, don't demand what we think we deserve. And then we want to be like Christ and that we want to think of ways that we can serve others. It goes on to say that, that Jesus Christ became a servant. He, he took on the very nature of a servant. Interesting I don't know if you'll remember this, but in John 13, Jesus did something quite profound. Just before going to the cross, he's celebrating the Passover with the disciples. And the scripture says he got up from the table and he took the towel in the basin. And the Son of God, the creator of the universe, began to wash the disciples' feet. And he says this to the disciples. He says, do you know what I've done for you? I've given you a model. I've given you an example. You should do as I have done. So if we're going to embrace the mindset of Christ, if we're going to live the mindset of Christ, then we need to be looking for ways to serve others. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. The third attitude of Christ that we need to emulate is this. We need to operate out of love. The scripture goes on to say that Jesus became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Let me ask you a question. What took Jesus Christ to the cross? It was not the Roman soldiers. What took Jesus Christ to the cross? It was love. His love for you. His love for me. He was operating out of love. Therefore, he was willing to endure the pain of the cross. He was operating out of love and he saw your need and he saw my need and he was willing To face the rejection, the pain, and the crucifixion. But he was operating out of love. It was the attitude of Christ. So if we're going to embrace the mindset of Christ, then what we need to operate out of love. And when we operate out of love, what happens? Conflict like goes away. Conflict is radically reduced in our lives. Why? We're operating out of love. Now I'm freely serving. I'm freely giving. Why? Because that's what love does. It's a mindset of Christ to operate out of love. And then the, the last thing that Paul says about the mindset of Christ is, is that we, we need to do what's right even when it's painful. Do, what right, do what's right even when it's painful. Jesus went to the cross... And the cross was a great place of pain. Was it right? Absolutely. Was it painful? Absolutely. He did what was right even though it was painful. And what a difference it's made for billions and billions of people, both past and present, who've been brought into right relationship with God. Why? Because Jesus Christ did what was right even when it was painful. I think there's a great lesson for us here about relationships, about conflict. Listen, it's not always easy to deal with conflict. And it's not always easy to do the right thing. Sometimes it is painful. But when we do that which is right, it positions us for God to work in our lives and on our behalf. Hear me. 
when we do that which is right. You say, well, that's not fun. Well, sometimes it's not fun. The question you need to ask is not, is it fun? The question you need to ask is, is it right? If it's right, then you need to step into it. Like Jesus, we want to do what's right, even if it's painful. Folks, the reality is, is that if you have relationships, then you're going to have conflict. And the conflict can rob you of happiness. But always remember this. In every fiery conflict, you can either put fuel on the fire or you can put water on the fire. In every conflict, you can either intensify the situation or you can extinguish the situation. The choice is yours. Are you going to pour on the fuel or are you going to pour on the water? May may we learn this morning from the wisdom of Paul some really simple simple truths what to help us reduce the conflict so that we can increase the happiness. Reduce the conflict so we can increase the fun factor. Never let pride be your guide. Be humble or you'll stumble. Learn the lost art of paying attention to others and to embrace, to live out the very mindset of Christ. I'm telling you, if we can do those four simple things, is what I know. Relationships are going to be healthier. Conflict's going to go down. Happiness is going to go up. Why? Because we've chosen the way of Christ. We've chosen to humble ourselves. And in that, again, what happens? We, we, define, we, discover, we discover greater happiness. How many of you know we need some help living this out? Those simple to understand, difficult to live. Would you agree with that? Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you this morning for, again, the counsel of your word. Lord, about really everyday life stuff. Because, Lord, it's so true. Where there's the presence of conflict, is there's the absence of happiness. And so, Lord, what we need help with today is better dealing with the conflict so that we can discover greater happiness. And Lord, what, what I believe is that this is for all of us here today because we all are engaged in relationships at some level. Holy Spirit, help us. And that we would not allow pride to be our God. Help us walk out humility. Help us learn to pay attention to the needs of others. And Holy Spirit, help us embrace the very mindset of Christ. To bring that into our homes. To bring that into our work relationships. Again, God, that you might be honored. That our relationships might be healthy and we might discover greater happiness. Help us, Holy Spirit, to that ends, I pray. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.